Hi, and welcome to Dear Dyslexic podcast series. I'm your host and fellow dyslexic, Shay Wissell. Dear Dyslexic is a community and resource space for everyone, but in particular for young people and adults who have dyslexia. Today's guest speaker is hugely successful. She's been working and supporting the health workforce in rural Victoria in our lovely state. I'm really excited to welcome to the show today, Gemma. Welcome to the show, Gemma. Thank you, Shay. So Gemma, Dear Dyslexic is all about raising awareness of the successes and challenges of those that have dyslexia and what we may face. So you were diagnosed like many people with dyslexia when you were at uni. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so um, I went to Deakin University in Geelong and I'm originally from Bendigo, so moved home, went to Deakin in Geelong. Um, I was doing first year psychology and they actually were running a study group or a research project actually with the honours students looking for genetic links with dyslexia. So they were looking for volunteers. So I volunteered to be part of the project um, where they said, yes, I was dyslexic and they also needed my father to do certain amount of tests as well. Um, But he actually didn't end up doing all the tests. Um, for various reasons but that's when they first identified that I had dyslexia yeah. So your dad did some of the tests with you? He did some of them not all of them. How did he go Mm. with that? Um, He actually had a worse result than me so and I don't know whether that was then him being discouraged from doing the rest of the results because I think his generation very much so see it as a poor result or a poor performance when that's not really what it's about. It's about a diagnosis. So it was interesting. Mm, Sounds Mm. interesting. Mm. I don't know how my dad would go. Yeah, it's, (laughs) I I just, again, I just think it's that generational where it's misunderstanding around why they're actually doing this research into dyslexia and genetic links, etc. How did you Mm. feel when you were diagnosed? I felt relieved, actually relieved because I was struggling in my first year of uni. So I think I had certainly used mechanisms to survive through school with dyslexia. Um, And when I got to university, I lost a lot of those support networks because I'd moved town, I didn't really know. And university, academic writing is a completely different requirement to what I was at the level of doing in year 11 and 12. So I was really struggling and it was great to at least know that there was a reason instead of blaming myself for it, thinking, oh, university's beyond me, I'm not that smart. Um, but I, I, that was as far as it got in the sense of seeking help afterwards. There wasn't that aspect. So when you were doing your studies, you didn't get any help no. afterwards? no. Was there a reason, was it because there wasn't anything or because you just thought you could do it on your own? I chose to do it on my own and within six months I had actually dropped out of university for the first time because I was failing so badly. Um, Took six months leave to sort of work out why, how had this happened? I thought it was more so just having transitioned from moving home and you know but now that I look back I know it was just that I hadn't I hadn't sought out the support that I needed to be able to I understood the concepts I understood the assignments I was internally quite confident that I knew 
what was required of me to complete this degree, but when it came to putting pen on paper or, well, back then it actually nearly was pen on paper or typing, (laughs) it actually, I I couldn't convert what I knew onto paper. So you had six months break and then you went back? I did, I did. And what changed? Because you finished this one, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. So I finished um, I finished my Bachelor of Arts and I did a double major in communication and literature. I think the biggest key for me was also choosing subjects and units that I actually have a passion for. So communications and literature are both my areas of... Well, that basically motivate me to want to study so because of that I just put all my energy into I just had to work harder I had to work harder all the time literature is a tough topic see well because you get to be creative so a lot of the pieces are creatively written Mm -hmm. so creative my creative pieces that I'd submit without, you know, sounding a little bit arrogant, I'd always get distinctions, high distinctions, and I could do them within 48 hours and they'd be done. Yeah. And I'd get amazing results. It was the pieces that were analytical that I could spend four weeks on. I could read every piece of research in the area and I would still struggle. I would still come out with a credit, may yeah. pass, maybe credit. It's funny you say that because when I was at school, after I got diagnosed, I went back to my secondary school and said, how did you not pick it up? And they said, but you were such a great writer. You wrote such amazing creative stories. And I said, yeah, but that was where they need, there was no structure needed. Exactly. Shay, so, that is exactly so the point. So it's really interesting that you, how well you did in that area. I would have thought it might have been hard um, reading the text because some of the liter- literature you have to read can be hard. Well, see, I found I could just let myself go in it. I didn't, I, when I was reading the text, I wasn't having, so when I was reading the novels or the literature, literary pieces of work, I could let my mind just go and escape what I was reading. Whereas when I was reading, say, for my communications, a, a book around global globalisation, I, I knew I had to really concentrate in case I missed anything. So it was this something in my, obviously, to do with, dyslexia around the way my mind functions and works. So did you put any supports in place when you did your second time around? No. No? No. Again, no? No. So my only supports I have in place are my family. So um, my sister and my mother, who I force to read every (laughs) single one of my assignments. Mm Um, and this is why the next time around, now that I've just recently finished my graduate certificate, my sister said to me, you are never, ever, ever to study ever again because I can't handle it. So they're, they're about the extent that I go. Yeah, And we've had lots of conversations about our sister's support and our family's mm. support. Mm. Um, and there is now, when I went back to uni and did my master's, I actually got the support I needed from mm. the tutors and from um, assignment readers, so people would read your assignments and help you restructure, and that was the biggest support for me. I mean, my mum still had to read stuff for me, but at least I had that extra person because we're not organised, and so my mum would be reading my assignments at 10 o'clock the night before they were due. (laughs) And so the pressure I put on my poor mum, and she's a full-time working 
principal and she'd be there at night and she still does sometimes. She's up writing and reading and supporting me in my work, especially setting up the foundation. She's helped with all of that. Shay, I think that's ironic really, but I think having children with dyslexia, they've almost had to, they've almost needed support themselves in how to manage us. Mm. Um, I was talking to my mum about that and she was just saying that, you know, when she was raising us, there really wasn't, you know, if they did have any concerns about our learning or the patterns or any learning difficulties that they felt, that she felt that we might have had at school, there wasn't that link to anything around dyslexia or supports in place. So they just would have put in their support mechanisms for us, which are exactly, and (laughs) I am exactly the same. I will be sending it off two hours before it's due and saying, please. Mm. And, And you can actually see see in my assessments the the jumping of my brain because there isn't any structure yeah mm. we might have to I might have to do a podcast with mums on interviewing I them on how they supported mums their children. and sisters even you yes. know fa- family support for for how have they coped what skills have they learned and what do they believe dyslexic people might need you mm. know yeah, we're very lucky we've had such strong support oh, and I think that's how we've got through. That's ex- that's the only way I got through university. Mm. So we've spoken a lot about our difficulties uh, in the workplace and we've been lucky enough to work together so we've mm. been able to support each other, mm. uh, which for me was huge help, mm. having someone that understood mm. how I thought and the way mm. I write. And we've had a lot of laughs about it. But what has a day in the life for you been like? Anxiety. There's always anxiety when, especially I suppose if you're commencing a new role or undertaking any sort of new project in your work life. Um, Because I personally don't, again, I don't disclose to anyone at my workplace that I have dyslexia, apart obviously from people I feel safe to do so with. Um, And... When I know that there's going to be projects that need to be undertaken that are going to require more than my communication skills and more than what I I feel I can offer. So if it's a quite a high-end structured piece of writing, I, I really need to... I need to use the people I have... I need to safely use the people I have around me to support me to get my job done. So you've never disclosed... In a working environment? No, not. Oh, that, well, actually, Shay, I did once when I was uh, working part-time at a news agency um, when I was at university. Um, I worked in a news agency down on St Kilda Road. Um, my boss was constantly having sort of, have, not having a go at me, but she'd say, oh, Gemma, you've done that thing again or you've put that back the front again, Gemma. I told you not to do that. And I, one day I said to her, look, actually, I need to tell you, I've actually got dyslexia. <laughs> <And she laughs> so I'd actually even in going to pronounce dyslexia and to tell her about it, I, I must have been so anxious that it came out dyslexia, and that just well, that just turned my whole working environment for with them forevermore because we all laughed about me having dyslexia. It is a hard word to pronounce, <laughs> whether you're dyslexic or not. So um, even just having dear dyslexic as a website, sometimes I think, why did I do that? Because just spelling it can be hard. I still spell it wrong. Same here. Even when I was emailing you my bio around dyslexia, I had to keep looking up D 
Portuguese. And, you know, there's certain words I will never be able to spell, like anaesthetist, just can't get my head around <laughs> it no matter how many times I spell it. And it's things like that that, that make life really difficult at work sometimes because if you're working in an area where you have to spell anaesthetist every second day... After a while, it's like banging your head against a brick. Well, why can't I learn this word? Mm. And yeah. it's like a barrier in your head. You just, you struggle. So once um, our podcast goes up, you will be somewhat, um, I was going to say naked, naked is not the right word, but exposed. Exposed, <laughs> exposed to the world and people will... Uh, no. So how do you feel about coming out, I guess we can say? I've I know. It's other like... people I've interviewed and they've said, oh, our friends won't come out about being dyslexic. They don't talk about it in their workplace. So you will have come out. I know. How do you feel? Oh, I've just tried the old dyslexic system of blocking things. <laughs> <laughs> just block it until the worst happens. <laughs> it's called a denial. No, look, I really, I did, in all honesty, I did think about that and it's, I guess, do you know what? It's the same feeling I felt when I was at university and they did the study group and said, yeah, you have dyslexia and, you know, these are the steps you need to take. It's the same relief sort of feeling and going, it's okay. Yeah. Well, I've had a number of jobs now and I think all of them I've ended up disclosing because I have more anxiety about not saying it mm. because I don't want people thinking I'm dumb because in my graduate position... That was the thing. Well, if we'd known how bad you were, we wouldn't have hired you. And why can't you write this? And why can't you spell those words? And you're a speech pathologist. What's wrong with you? So now the anxiety of not telling people so I don't get called dumb and I don't have an expectation makes me feel much better. And then I can get help if I need it in the workplace. But not everyone's responsive to it. I agree, but I think what you're saying, the reason I'm agreeing to do this is because exactly what you're saying what you've just said then there is a stigma around being dumb there were so many times throughout school and university and still to this day at work I think am I just dumb is it just that I'm dumb but I know in my mind I get it I get it I know and I think it's really important to talk about it and probably to disclose so that people understand that there there's a reason that you do things the special, the very special way that you do them. <laughs> and that's the way I like to think. I like to think, you know what, I just do it in a special way and it's not right and it's not wrong. And I also think having... Dis <laughs> I went to say it again, dyslexia... <laughs> enables you to think outside the box and I think there's a lot of people who are so structured in their way of thinking that it's almost again a, a disability for some people that they don't they're not able to think outside the box because you have to mm. when you're dyslexic you always have to think out you have to think okay I can't do it the way everyone else is doing it how am I going to do this at work in my own way and still get the job done mm. Even just changing a word. I mean, you can't change an ethicist, unfortunately. There's no replacement. No. Putting someone, to, a doctor that puts someone to sleep. Um, but having to <laughs> having to just think of a different word just, if you can't yes. spell it. Just the simplest of things. Yeah. So do you think the workplace is set up to support people? Do you think that's why people aren't disclosing because of the fear of discrimination? Or 
do you feel that it's talked about much at all? No, I don't think it's talked about at all. I actually don't think people take it... I don't think people understand dyslexia in the workplace. So hence, I don't think there is the support for it because I think a lot of people might just go, ah, that's just, you know, that's a learning disorder. They'll be right. They've been, they've obviously gotten to this level through university. So I don't think they need any support, if that makes sense. I think it's, it's, it's that uneducation around the struggle, how hard it can truly be. So what do you think some of the strategies you can impart or tips for people in the workplace if they can't disclose and they they need some support? What oh, have been some make of your best friends with a really good rider the first day you walk in, <laughs> suss out everyone in the building and go, right, you can do that, you can do that. In all uh, honestly, though, I mean, look, uh, in a no, sense, you're right. it is it is a coping mechanism. You do look at other people's skill sets and not use them. Obviously, you're not there to use people, but you're there to go. Okay, can I go to that person if I'm going to need support when I'm working on a project? That hopefully that person may be able to support me. So honestly, that would be. One of the things I do do is look for support. Um, And I give myself, I have to reorganise my time so that I know if I have something that's going to take me probably two weeks longer than it takes other people, I have to reorganise my time to make sure I prioritise giving that more attention. Because you have quite a big job. I mean, you've been Mm. working in health now Mm. for a while in Mm. different areas. So... What would a day at work be like for you in like the type of tasks you'd have to do that you know you need to make sure that they're structured or in your calendar or well they're so varied and that's the thing I mean they can go from developing marketing brochures with marketing um, staff to trap so there's a lot of travel that I do in most of my health jobs I've had to undertake so obviously you've got to be working around organizing your time between travel running programs so I've run you know up to five to six programs at one time so it's it's becoming excellent at multitasking and again to be really honest with you it it's because I've also been in managerial roles it's making sure I have the staff around me and utilising the staff I need to to make sure at the end of the day the end result for the organisation is a positive one. So there's people. Uh, one of my, you know, ongoing work issues that people I consistently hear in all the roles I do is attention to de- detail, Gemma. Attention to detail. So I just make sure that I get people to cross check everything. Mm. Yeah, having a second set of eyes is always helpful, even if they're a second set of dyslexic eyes. <laughs> dyslexic eyes they can pick up it's funny what between two dyslexics what they can pick up Shay it is isn't it's it it's funny what one dyslexic misses yes. and the other dyslexic I was about to go dyslexic again yeah <laughs> it, it, it's just that it's just getting that support yeah I've always found administration finding someone that's good in admin yes and IT have always been the oh, two IT two groups of people yeah. that rely on yeah mostly yeah to support me I agree so what do you hope will change in the next five years, do you think, in the workplace, in society, around dyslexia and the issues that we face? Shay, I think you doing what you're doing 
right now is a major change. Um, you're you advocating for dyslexia and allowing people to to be um, open to discuss it is already changed to me. Um, I think there needs to be more education, to, to be honest, more literacy around dyslexia. I actually went to my son's school the other day, a few, oh, about six months ago, and said to his teacher, look, I'm actually concerned that my son may display signs of dyslexia and I know it's in genetically in my family and whatnot. And he's in, I think it was grade three, his grade three teacher. And she said, oh, 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 look, I actually don't know anything about dyslexia. So I really can't help you. So if... That was his teacher. That was his teacher. So mm. if at primary school, they're not picking up signs, they're not looking for signs because they actually aren't taught about the signs for dyslexia. I mean, look, teachers have it hard enough. They've got to look for so many things and I certainly don't want to add more to their load. But perhaps if at that teaching level more can be introduced mm. into the degrees around... I think that's what they do in the UK, that they they spend a unit yeah. learning, specifically about learning difficulties. So all teachers leave and they've got that initial knowledge and then I think it's up to them to further develop that which unfortunately they can't do in Australia at the moment no. but um, I just worry I suppose that dyslexia can slip it's like you said you went back to your school and said why didn't you pick it up and they went because your writing was dyslexia is not an easy one to identify I think because say if a child can't write or a child is terrible with numbers they'll generally pick that up pretty quickly but dyslexia you can almost slide under the if you need to. Mm, if you've got the strategies and the supports in place from a young age, you definitely can slide through the cracks. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Gemma, for coming thank on you, the show. Shay. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, no, no, sorry, not at this stage. <laughs> well, you can always come back. To thank you, Shay. No, and thank you for having me. Thank no, you. And I have to say thank you for um, being brave in coming out and talking about this with us because I know it's not easy and I know how scary it is and we're not young spring chickens, so... Speak to yourself. <laughs> so we've been, we've been dealing with this for quite a while, but it's really brave of thank you. Thank you, So Shane. thank you, and I think our audience will really appreciate hearing your story and listening to how brave you are. So thanks, thanks for coming Shane. on the show. And for all of you out there, stay tuned for our next show. Thank you. Bye. Bye.